morning, everybody. My name is Rollin Fisher. <laughs> Just kidding. I know, I know Pastor Rollin's going to go back and listen to this, so I thought he would uh, appreciate that and find that funny. Uh, but in all reality, guys, uh, my name is Cole Parlier. Uh, I moved here about four years ago uh, to help, help get the church started, to partner with Jesus and to partner with the Fisher family and uh, some other people that were already here. Uh, like Joseph Nagpente, that man, got to give honor where honor is due, who's the very first person I met in Chicago. He met me at like 9 p.m. at night with my moving truck when I first arrived, and we'd never met before at all, just like phone calls, and he helped me unload that thing one night. So, so thank you very much. Oh, well, guys, I am so excited to be here. If it is your first time here, we say welcome. Can we just say you're welcome here? Yeah. Yeah, and if it is not your first time here, but you've been faithful and diligent to come to go through the storms of life like Erica was talking about, and you have been committed, I say thank you for returning the love of Jesus and being a part of the community here. Uh, we believe at Second City Church in three, three major things, which are like the core principles, which... Uh, guide everything that we do. And number one, I'm sure is no surprise because this is a Christian church. The number one is Christ. Christ Jesus. As all the songs we were talking about, uh, singing earlier, talk about he is the foundation, he is the cornerstone, he is the lamb of God. Any works that we're trying to do, any expansion of the kingdom of God, trying to fill these seats, because if you look around, there are a couple of empty seats in here trying to fill these seats, all of that is the work of God, and without God working in us and through us to do it, it is of um, no avail, the work that we would do. But you want to hear the good news? God is faithful, and he honors our work as well. And so I just want to take a second, because preparing for this message uh, was a new experience for me. So do I have your guys' permission to just let the walls come down and to just be honest and let you in? Yeah? Okay, we're a family, right? Okay, I know if you're new, it may be weird if we're a family, but you're welcome to join the family, okay? This is kind of like our living room. Uh, and so preparing for this message gave me a completely new outlook on what Pastor Rollin has to go through each week. And I know he does it because it is the calling of God on his life to preach the word of God, to see people come to Jesus, to see disciples made. But this is such a team effort. Do you guys remember in the Old Testament where they had the mobile tabernacle, you Bible students? Every single time they moved, they had to take apart all the poles, all the curtains, all the bases, and they had to uh, pack it up and do all of that. And then also, uh, just with the prayers, the intercession, uh, guys, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for all the encouraging text messages that you guys sent me. Uh, I look out in the audience now and I see all these faces, and so many of you sent text messages to encourage me. And um, what I want to say is, let's pray for Pastor, Pastor Rollin and his family because they're on the front lines trying to hear God's voice and deliver a message to us every week. So can we just take a moment and pray for them? Is that okay? Yeah. Well, Father God, we thank you so much for providing Jesus for us, but then also calling people such as uh, the fishers, Lord, and the people that have also uh, volunteered to come to put up uh, the curtains to make sure the place is clean, the hospitality, the service to the children. So Lord, we thank you for uh, giving them the unction in their heart, giving them the love uh, to do those things, Lord. And so we just pray a special blessing on them, that you would encourage them, Lord, that they would not grow weary and well-doing, God, but they would always be full of zeal for your work, God. And we just uh, ask for that refreshment because your word says, that uh, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So guys, we're going to continue on with the message that Pastor Rollins started a couple of weeks ago out of 1 John. Um, and I'm going to give a recap on that. And then the message today, it's going to be a little different because I feel like God has not only his meta theme of Scripture of what Christ has done, 
what he, what he is doing and what we're preparing for, but he also has special words for particular bodies of believers, such as, in this case, Second City Church. Do you guys believe that God still speaks today? Yeah. Well, that's scriptural, so we should. The word says that his sheep hear his voice, okay? And so this message is kind of a two-part. Number one, it's going to be what I feel that God is speaking to us in this particular time and season that we're in as a body. Um, I feel that God has, has given me a unique perspective of, since I was one of the first people here when we got started a little over three years ago. I remember meeting in uh, Pastor Rollin and B's living room, and there was a handful of people that are in this room right now that remember that, and to go from that little Bible study in their living room and then three years meeting at Lincoln Park High School, uh, seeing dozens and dozens and dozens of people say yes to the gospel of Jesus, get baptized and enter into the faith. Uh, I believe that God wants to do more. And so part of it's going to be talking about that. And then the other part, we're going to go through 1 John chapter 3. So starting out, we're going to do uh, an intro and a recap. When Pastor Rollin was, was talking about uh, 1 John chapter 1, he was talking about loving the light, loving the light of God. God is light in him. There is no darkness. And so if we walk in the darkness, we are not walking in God. If we're walking in the darkness, we're stumbling, we're hating, our hearts are full of murder. So Pastor Ron's exhortation to us, which is John's exhortation, is love the light. Part two, chapter two, is love the will of God. Have you guys ever heard, you know the scripture, it says that perfect love casts out fear, Right? I've heard it applied in so many different ways, right? It's like God's love is perfect, so therefore we have no fear of judgment. And that's correct, right? Right? Yeah, okay, great. Because in Christ, we're not afraid of judgment anymore because Christ has paid the penalty and it's only rewards for the good things that we're doing. But um, as well, loving the will of God is how we experience the fullness of Christ because some of God's uh, promises are, if you do this, then this will happen, right? And so, in order to walk into the fullness of what God has for us, uh, personally and as a body, we need to love the will of God, not just resting on what He has done for us, but actually allowing Him to work through us by His Spirit to do all that He has commanded us to do. And He will pour out blessing upon blessing with persecutions, <laughs> of course, like Jesus said, but He would do that. And then we had our friend, Peter Eileen, come. Peter Eileen has been a friend of Second City Church and the Fisher family for years and years and years. Uh, I can't wait to get to know them better. Uh, but he came with a, a special uh, prophetic word from us out of Isaiah. And this word was mainly about patience and trusting in what God is doing. Even though the path may seem like it's a little, a little zonky, a little, uh, what, what's a good word, just curvy. It may not seem like it's direct from point A to point B, but trusting in God's sovereignty in our lives that he knows what he is doing. Uh, and I was super encouraged by that. And then if you know Pastor Reggie Roberson, can you guys raise your hand if you just help me out? Okay, great. So there were so, several hands that went up if you're listening to the podcast because Pastor Reggie Roberson has been a friend of uh, the Fisher family ever since uh, Rollin came to know Christ in college. And they've been running together in this race until uh, Jesus comes back ever since then. So for years and years, I think like 15 years maybe. And so they've seen each other grow uh, and change and grow in uh, leadership and their capacity to love God and love people. And so, so Reggie had a special prophetic word for us. And I just want to share some highlights of that word because this is specific for us here at Second City Church. So Reggie felt like the Lord was telling him that this fall, there's going to be a new wave of people that God is going to bring in to the church. And we're believing for 100 people to come in. Is that exciting, guys? Yeah? Now, uh, Reggie, Pastor Reggie, this is a man that has been tested and he has been proven, just like the Word talks about, you know, elders and deacons, you know, test them. Uh, before you, you put them in. Well, this man's prophetic gift, which prophecy is for the encouragement and building up of the church, this man's 
prophetic gift has been tested and proven again and again and again. And you feel like the Lord wants to do a new thing. He wants to bring in 100 people this fall. So basically all of these seats right here, I want you to look around. Everywhere you see blue, I want you to imagine that there is a person in that seat. And I want you to pray accordingly. I want you to believe accordingly that God is going to bring it in so that the name of Jesus may be held in high regard. But in order to see God do this, I feel like we need to be prepared as a people. God entrusts uh, responsibility to those that he can trust, right? So if Jesus has done everything for us already, then what is our part in all of this? Okay, if God said he wants to bring 100 people in, okay, let, let God do it. He is great. He is awesome. He is going to do it. Yes, that is correct. But he wants to know that he can trust us as well. And so the reason I wanted to share that is because as we go through 1 John chapter 3, it can be super encouraging, super exciting, especially the first part. But as we get into the middle of it, it can get a little convicting. It can get you you know, squirming in your seat and get you questioning your own, you know, walk and how much you're compromising and am I really ready to receive all that God has for me? And so hopefully you guys are encouraged knowing that God sees us, what he wants to do, and that he has a plan to prepare us for it as well. Amen? Amen. Okay, so that was Pastor Reggie. And then as I was praying for everything, just like you guys were praying, asking God to do something special in the service, to have a, uh, just a real excitement about what God is doing. Uh, I felt like the Lord had given, had given me a, a word for us here, that it's timely for us as well to go along with it. And it's two scriptures that have, one of them had been burning in my heart like way before Pastor Rollin had asked me to speak uh, this Sunday. And so I knew that was from him and it was in preparation of what he wanted to do. And that one comes from Matthew 24, uh, 12 through 13. I'm not sure if it's on the screen or not. Screen or not. Um, okay, starting at uh, verse 9 then. I'll just read it from the screen because I don't have all of it right here. So if you can follow me, Oscar. This is Jesus talking, talking about the end times. He says, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Then they will deliver... Well, what's the, the next one? I only have 12 through 13 here. Okay. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will rise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom would be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Okay, guys, big picture. Second City Church. What has God said that he wants to do through the body of Second City Church? Of course, there is scripture that talks about uh, what the body universal is going to do. Great. We are going to trust in Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. We're going to uh, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that he has commanded, okay? And, and then we're going to prepare ourselves for his return. That's all pretty general. The entire body of Christ needs to know this and be doing this, okay? But God in his sovereignty, just like he had different families and in the tribes of Israel, he had different tribes, uh, there were 12 tribes in the tribe of Israel. They all had something like special that, that they were good at. And it was their part in the body and in the big plan of what God wants to do and what God is going to do, but how he would like for us to partner with him and how he is going to do that. One of the things that was prophesied over Second City Church was that, and I'll give clarification, that this was going to be a church full of sinners and lost people. Now, nobody wants to go to church, right? And just be a, around a bunch of wickedness, people living in sin. And so that is not what that means. But what that means is that this would be a place where the power and the love of God 
would be, and it would attract people who are looking for God, who are lost, who are hurting, who are living in sin because they do not know the love of God, that they would come in here. This would not just be a place where church hoppers that go from church to church to church, you know, just looking for which one fits them and their consumer mentality of take, 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 what can I get? How does this fit me? What, how can I get my needs filled? But it would be a place where the hurting and the truly lost are going to come in. Now, if you're here and you're visiting other churches, this is not a like slant against you, let me clarify there. Because just like we said, there are different tribes in Israel and God has a place for you and he has a special place for you to be plugged in where your talents, your abilities, how he's created you, it's going to fit into what God has called that church to do in the larger picture of seeing this gospel preached to the whole world, okay? Because we all want Jesus to come back. And it sounds like to me, the more we preach, even though we don't know the date or the hour, the, the quicker he's going to come. Amen? Amen, because his will is that none would be, would be lost. And then Revelation 2, 1 through 7. Do you have that one, Oscar? I'm not sure if I got that one to you. Oscar did great. I kind of changed like a lot of things like last minute because, you know, you got one idea, you're praying like, oh, no, I feel like the Lord wants to do this. This is the timing. Yay, yes. Thank you, Oscar. So I'm going to read along here. So Revelation 2, 1 through 7. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. Okay, so it sounds like there was an increase of wickedness, right? The love of most could grow weary, but they have continued on in doctrine, testing people, making sure that, okay, you say you love Jesus, well, let's test your life. Does it, are the fruits really showing there? You're teaching wrong things, so let's expose that. You know, love the light, like Roland was talking about. That is good. We need to do that. We're supposed to expose the fruitless works of darkness. But even Jesus says, if we're doing all of that, this can still happen. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Yet this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So guys, I feel like as, we, as we're going through 1 John chapter, chapter 3, and as we continue to finish out uh, 1 John, the timely, specific word of the Lord for us is that we need to get back to the things we did at first. Charles Finney is, has a quote, I think we have it as well. Charles Finney said, a revival is nothing else than a new beginning of obedience to God. So I believe God wants us to get back to loving the things we did at first. Chapter 2, Pastor Ron entitled, Love the Will of God. I'm sure if you guys remember Jesus equating over and over and over, love, obedience. If you love me, you will obey me. And so we have to hold all these things in tension. Loving God, loving righteousness, loving right doctrine, loving mercy, because mercy triumphs over judgment. Uh, loving sinners, but hating sin and seeing them separated from those things. And so as we go through 1 John chapter 3, hopefully this will bring context to what God wants to do. Does, does that help at all? Okay, because I'm a super context person. I'm like, all right, that all sounds good, but what do I do with it? Like, how does that affect me right now? You know, I got bills to pay. I got, uh, <laughs> I got neighbors, like, driving me crazy. You're like, okay, how does this apply? Because there's all kinds of things that are distracting. So hopefully that will bring some specifics there. So the title of today's message, 1 John chapter 3, is simply, Love Jesus. So 
love the light, love the will of God, love Jesus. And it can be subtitled, and everything else will follow. <laughs> right? The two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And all of the law and the prophets are summed up in these two things. Who embodied those things perfectly? Jesus. Basically, any question I ask you today, if you respond with Jesus, you're going to get the right answer. Okay? Because he is God in the flesh, and he has done everything that needs to be done. But he loves us so much that he wants to wash us and clean us and then train us to release us to be his hands and his feet to a lost and dying world. Okay, so we're actually going to go through 1 John 3 now. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to read it because uh, we want to stay scriptural. No matter myself, any guest speaker, or anybody, and Pastor Allen would say this himself, if you have any questions about what has been taught or what has been said or what we meant by that, let's obey God. Let's not, uh, let's not become bitter and let it grow because it's probably a misunderstanding. Or maybe, just like Moses was scared of talking because he's like, I have faltering lips. I can't do this, God. Ah. Yeah, that's, so just come talk, talk to me if you have questions about this afterwards, okay? Can I get agreement from you guys? Okay, great. All right, so we're going to read um, the entire chapter. So you might want to get out your Bible or look at the screen. It's not that long. It's just 24 verses, I think. So we're going to read the entire thing, then we're going to go back, and we're going to talk about each verse briefly, about what God is saying to us and what our response needs to be, okay? All right, so 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him, being Jesus, purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God and whatever we ask we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. 
And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the Spirit whom he has given us. I don't know about you guys, but that gets me super excited, but then also super introspective at the same time when I read all of that. Because the very first thing he starts out with is he says, God the Father has lavished, lavished his love on us. He has poured it out with abundance. He has poured it out on us. And that itself has made us the children of God. It was his initiation and it was our response to his initiation that caused it. First John 4.19, and Pastor Ron, if you're listening, this is the only verse out of John chapter 4, because <laughs> I'm going to be preaching on it. it, says, we love because he first loved us. Okay, so there's going to be a lot of commands about loving, um, loving your brother, laying down your life for your brother. And let me be 100% completely straight with you up front, because John's completely like honest. He's like, you do what is good, you know, what is righteous or of God. So it's not much gray area in there. You cannot do this on your own. That's why John at the end says, we know we're the children of God because of the spirit that he gave us. So if you're in this room today and you are needing love, you're like, I need it so bad, I can't give it out. I know what you're feeling like. I know, I know, I know. And that's why God wants to pour out his spirit on you today so that you can know the love of Christ. And guess what? You'll then be able to love with the love of God. And this love is a, a spring that bubbles up and it continuously overflows. And you'll be able to lay down your life for the unlovable. You'll be able to lay down your life for Remember, quote, all the, all the sinners that were going to be coming into the church, right? Because we become children of God at first, but just like a child grows, what happens? Hopefully he stops pooping in his pants. Once he, I mean, really, you have babies, they poop a lot, I hear. We don't have any kids, but we're going to babysit some tonight, but I don't, are they still wearing diapers? I, I'm not sure. Are they, one is? Okay. Okay. <laughs> We're big. They, they poop less, though, right, as they grow up. I mean, in the diaper. Okay, so they poop less in the diaper. So, therefore, your love is not without effect. You're loving. You're training. You're saying, I love you, but there is a better way than this uh, reactionary thing that is happening because you're used to sinning. But you can grow out of that as you grow in God. You can grow up. Remember when First uh, John chapter 2, uh, uh, John was writing to children, young men, and then fathers, right? This is an escalation of our walk with God. He said, I write to you children because your sins have been forgiven. Woohoo! You're children of God. He's adopted you. Yes. Okay, you're pooping a lot, but that's where First John comes in where it says, you know, if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one, and he imputes his righteousness to you. Great. But there is an expectation that you grow out of some of these things that have characterized your life. Because how can the one that remains in God and have his seed in him keep on sinning? You cannot. You cannot. It's not for myself. It's not for Pastor Rollin. It's not for the person sitting beside you to look at you and to say, you're going to hell because you haven't grown fast enough and your conversion may not have been real. So don't even think about doing that, okay? That is only between this person and God. Before their own maker, they will stand. But what we can do, okay guys, we're family, right? How many people in here have siblings, brothers and sisters? If you're an only child, we'll pray for you. Uh, <laughs> brothers and sisters, okay, great. Did you always get along? Were you still family? Sometimes they tell you stuff that, you, that was for your betterment, but because of your pride, you were like, no. They're like, you should change this or consider this. No. Guys, 
We have to be able to love each other in such a way that we can bring a word of rebuke and correction to each other. We will not grow until we get there. Black and white. If we have strife and bitterness rolling around in our hearts, guys, the devil is winning. If that is the case. Love the light. Love the light. Say it with me. Love the light. Expose the fruitless deeds of darkness, not because of judgment, but because mercy triumphs over judgment. And I want you to write this down because I didn't give it to Oscar to put on the screen. Whatever God reveals, He intends to heal. I'm going to say it again, okay? Whatever God reveals, He intends to heal. He does not expose our dirty laundry for the sake of gossip. He does not go to the news media outlets and say, oh, this person's in sin, let's throw them to the, let's throw them to the wolves, maybe they'll get it right, and if they survive, they can come back. No, and if you've been doing that, you need to repent. Stop gossiping, guys. Yes, you're children of God, but become young men or young women of God who have overcome the evil one. You are strong and you have overcome the evil one. Walk in it. Believe it. You can love because he has first loved you. John chapter 1, uh, 11 through 13 says, He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Okay, if you have received Christ, it is his sovereign choice. He called you, he enabled you to respond because of his great love for you. And this is called grace. Mercy is receiving what you do not receive. I mean, what you do not deserve, I'm sorry. Mercy is receiving what you do not deserve. And grace is getting what you don't deserve. You don't get judgment. You get rewards and righteousness. Okay? As a child of God. John 3.16, another example of God being the initiator of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God is the initiator. He loves you. It all starts with him. Okay? Uh, John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And guys, I have a little note here that says that this is lavish love. Can you love somebody by encouraging them with a word? Yeah, sure. Can you love somebody by giving them a dollar to get on the bus because they are short on change? Yeah, you sure can. Can you even love somebody by taking them into your home if they're homeless? Yes, and those are all good. But Jesus set the example of no greater love as a man than this. And if we're on this trajectory of going from uh, babies in Christ to young, young people in Christ to fathers and mothers in Christ, we need to see this love start to increase. We need to see it go from just these little nice things. Let me give you something that doesn't cost me anything really, but I know it'll help you and I love you, so let me tell you a nice word. Oh, you have a booger in your nose, you know. Let me, you have a boogie in your nose and I love you and that's what I'm telling you. You know we've all been there and we've done that before. That's great, but we need to be on that trajectory of laying down our lives, laying down our pride more and more and more. Amen? All right, so we are children of God now, but what will we become? John leaves that open. He's like, but what will we become? He says, what we do know is that when Jesus returns... We will be like him because we see him as he is. There is a principle throughout scripture that whatever you behold, whatever you look at, whatever you gaze upon, whatever your affections are drawn to, you will become like. So guess what? If we love Jesus and we are amazed at this love that God who had no need no need. He doesn't need love. We need love. He doesn't need love. He had no need and he gave it. When we are so 
uh, just in awe and amazed with this, we begin to, as First John says, we begin to purify ourselves. Now, when we're babies, our parents purify us by changing our diapers. They do it for us, right? Great. Well, you got a problem when there's the 13-year-old who is still pooping in it, and he's still expecting you to change it. It's like, well, number one, you're 13, you should not be doing this. You should be using the restroom like everybody else. Uh, number two, if you do this, you need to change this. You are grown up, you have two hands, you need to change this. And so, when we want to be like God, with God, I should say, we purify ourselves. We start getting rid of these entanglements that are keeping us from knowing God and loving God and loving people. And there's a, there's a word for these things, and it's called compromise. I'm the first to admit, until I am put in a place where it feels like I'm going to get exposed, it's hard to let go of things that I compromise on. <laughs> but there's a quote, I'm not sure if it's up here, and I don't even remember who said it, but he said, <laughs> he said, expose your sin before the devil does. Confess your sin before the devil does. And so guys, like getting ready to come up here to speak in front of you guys this past week, like, you want to talk about, like, conviction, every little thing. Oh, God, I've been feeling like you've been telling me to let go of caffeine because I become an idiot when I'm on it. And, but everybody else does it, so I'm going to do it anyway just so I can be social. Okay, but I know I won't be able to hear your voice as well because I have ADD when I have it. Uh, and it made me get rid of it. You do not want to get to a place to where you're only getting rid of these things because, like, the pressure is being set on. You feel like you're getting ready to get exposed. You do not want to be in that place. And guess what happens when Jesus returns? You become like him. And it's this hope in him that it's he that makes us righteous, that will make you like him. But what will you do on the other side of the coin? The one side of the coin is it's his power at work in you that allows you to make these changes. But the other side of the coin is you take hold of that power. He's giving you a sword. You take hold of it. And with the strength that he gives you, you cut off these things and you purify yourself because you want to be with him. Does that make sense? And what will happen is as you start going through these changes of growing in Christ, you start cutting off these things, uh, these sins, we'll call them sins because what they are, but these compromises, you start to know all of your sacrifices. You're like, man, I am doing good. I have sacrificed uh, my sleep so I, could, so I could study more, so I could pray more. Man, I didn't have that coffee so I could go give it to this homeless person over there. Oh, God, I, I put down this pride so that I could humble myself and talk to this person on the bus beside me uh, to invite them to church to see you know, if they know you, where they're at. And what happens is you start expecting the world to notice your sacrifices and to pat you on the back for it. But guess what? The world will not recognize the children of God. They can't because it's spiritually discerned, the word says. The one thing that they will recognize is love, and they don't understand why it's there. But I'm just preparing you now as you're doing this. Get ready because... Unless God is your audience of one that you're performing for and you want his approval, you want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, unless that's the case, you're going to grow weary in well-doing. And because of the increase of wickedness and the lack of pats on the back, your love will grow cold. So the point there was Love Christ by recognizing his love for you. <laughs> and that fixes everything, okay? Point number two was love Jesus by purifying yourself, a.k.a. living holy. You are holy in Christ, and he will clean you through and through and through, but receive everything he has for you by living holy as well, okay? Philippians 2, 11 through 13, 
Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in the absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And here's the key. For, or because, it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Everybody take a a sigh of relief. God is working in me if I'm a child of God to fulfill his good purposes. Can you feel the stress start to come off? Can you hear the words of Jesus in your head? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdens, and I will give you rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So as we're waiting for Jesus to come back, it's kind of like an engagement period. Jesus has declared his love. He has gone to the cross. He has poured out his love on there. He's made it known to the world, kind of like one of those engagements where, you know, the guy, we didn't do it like this, honey, sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of one of those engagements where, you know, you're at the football stadium, you've organized it just right, the plane's flying over with the, the banner on it, you know, I love you, and the whole world knows, and God has done that for you. He's given you a deposit of his spirit in you, just like a man gives a ring, usually in our culture, to the one that he's loved, and he says, I'm coming back for you, and there will be a day where we will be fully one. I am so thankful that the bride God has given me, I loved her just as she was the day that we got engaged didn't want anything to change about her because, guys, relationships are not about whether somebody loves you. It's about your love for them. And that is maturity, okay? So I didn't want her to change. I loved her. But because she loved me, she prepared herself for the wedding day. She, I don't know everything that she did, but I know that she prepared herself for the wedding day. And men, if we're wanting to get prepared to become one, we want to cut off the debt, we want to just pay it off, get rid of it. Uh, men that are caught up in sexual sins, you need to stop that and you need to get rid of it now. You need to do it before you get engaged, but you definitely need to do it then because it's just not you because your sin affects everybody, number one. But when you get married, your sin definitely affects your wife and nothing is hidden. But Jesus is coming back and we need to be ready. And that's the big picture. But in order for these seats to be filled, look around again. These blue seats, we need to love. And loving Jesus is purifying ourselves in one facet. First John 9.10, No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. And this is how we know the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Black and white, child of God, child of the devil. Child of God, child of the devil. devil. In our society, we don't like calling things black and white. We don't like calling people, oh, you're a child of the devil. Like, it just, it sounds mean. It sounds mean, but that's what it is. That's what, we were all there. Guess what? If you're a Christian today, guess who your daddy was at one point? Your daddy was a devil. And if you haven't come to that conclusion, maybe you haven't really accepted all that Christ has done for you and the translation from darkness into light, from the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God that has taken place. The, the devil was your daddy at one point. So this is how we know the children of God are and who the children, who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. It's a test. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child or anyone who does not love their brother and sister. So the self-test, you can only test this with yourself. Do I do what is right consistently? Because remember, it was keep on sinning. So that means like living in sin doesn't mean are you walking and you, and you trip and you stumble and you get back up. It's not what it's talking about. It's talking about are you explicitly living in sin and are okay with it? If so, then you do not have love for Christ in your heart. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm saying you don't have love for Christ in your heart. Only you know whether you're saved or not because only the Holy Spirit's going to witness to that. And self-test number two, do I love my brother and sister consistently and on the trajectory of laying down my life more and more as Jesus set the example, saying that no greater love is a man than this, he lays down his life for his friends. Jesus set the standard for us by giving his very life and commands we do the same. This takes faith and grace. Say faith 
and grace. Faith and grace. Galatians 2, 19 through 21. I'm sorry, Oscar, I don't think I got this one to you either. It says, For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. You pursue the righteous moral law of God, yes, but how do you pursue it? Through faith in Christ. Does that make sense? Okay. Last section, and then we're going to wrap up. Number four, love Jesus by obeying him with action. Love Jesus by obeying him with action. A mental assent to God's love for you and how you are so special. And you are very, very special. Jesus died for you. But a mental assent to that, that does not eventually work its way out in action for other people may not be genuine. I don't you have to test it. But first John three, sixteen through twenty two says, Dear children, dear children, let us know let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth. And how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Some of us think we're being tormented by the devil. We think we're full of condemnation because, oh, the devil is just a liar. He's just a liar. I know that is true in some cases, and probably many cases. But I also know that when God is convicting us about something and we are resisting his conviction, our hearts will not be at rest in his presence because he loves us enough to, to for me, this is how God talks to me. He's like, he's like, oh, I love you so much. I'm going to torment you until you do what I want you to do. <laughs> because I know he loves me. When your parents disciplined you and made you stand in that corner, was it because they hate you? No, they love you. You kept trying to stick your finger in the light socket, and they're like, stop, you're going to die. Stop, go stand in the corner. And you're like, but I want to stick it in the light socket. And he loves you enough to actually put a barrier and one of those little child plugs in there probably. But he'll, he'll torment you so you will stop. You'll be like, I submit to your love. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and we do what pleases him. So, number one, obedient action to God leads to knowing we are the children of God. If you're acting and obeying and it's working itself out in more than a mental ascent, you have confidence before God. And if you're doing that and you're still feeling the condemnation, that is from the devil and he is attacking you and you are under spiritual warfare. Because right here the word says, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. And the context is by obeying him with action and in truth. So if you need peace, go do something for somebody. Go obey God. And I love this part. Obedient action leads to answered prayers. Check this out. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is John the Apostle remembering when Jesus was telling them, remain in me, the vine, and I'll remain in you. And when you're doing this, you can ask anything in my name and I will do it for you. Amen? Isn't that excited? God wants to answer your prayers. And he wants you to live a long time. And he wants you to love people around you. And then to summarize it all up, 1 John 3, 23, 24 says, And this is the command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. So number one, 
believe in Jesus Christ, love him, and love one another. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Just like it's hard to tell from the outside whose baby belongs to which parent. You know, they got the, the baby rooms at the hospitals where all the babies go when they're born. The, I don't know what it's called. But if, like, if I knew the parents, I highly doubt that I, even if I knew the parents, I could walk in there and without name tags be able to pick out which baby belonged to them. Is that, I mean, is it just my vision's bad or can you guys not do that either? Right. But does it negate that that baby still belongs to those parents? Now, as that baby grows, he's going to start to look more and more like those parents, right? Not just in physical traits, but if the baby had the privilege of actually being raised by their biological parents as well, and then the training, and even if they weren't raised by their biological parents, the training that takes place, the baby starts to like act and think like the, like the adults, right? So do not let Satan condemn your heart today. Because it's the spirit in you that matters. Maybe you need to grow, and that's great. He loves you enough to help you do that. So the worship team wants to come up. Uh, and then uh, I have some action points here. There's really just two, two action points, and there's two types of people in here right now. You're hearing this, and you're like, this is so hard. But you realize, I've been playing a game. The Spirit of God is not in me. I do not love Jesus, but I know now that he loves me and he gave his life for me to forgive me of my sins, to make me one with him and the Father, and to give me new life, eternal life, and I want to do that today. If that's you, you don't have to get up right now, but the prayer counselors are going to come down. And even during while worship is playing, if you guys want to come down, you can. This place right here is open for this and receive Jesus as not only Savior, but as Lord. And then the number two person in here. You've had no problem receiving him as Savior. You're like, God loves me. I know it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But you're just stuck in sin. You keep on sinning. And you're done. You're done with this. Today is the day. That one thing that pesters me every time I think about God and every time I go into the church Today is the day it is being cut off in the name of Jesus. Today's your day to come down as well. There's going to be prayer counselors. There's going to be uh, men on one side, women on the other. And just come down because the word says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. Your sin is primarily against God, but when you confess it to somebody else, the shame is broken. And there's healing that takes place. So feel free to come down. If the prayer counselors want to come down, come on.